Good morning and welcome to Radio Maria. This is Questions of Faith. And um, this is a program in which listeners are able to call in and ask questions regarding um, a topic of theology or something that is uh, regarding the faith in any way whatsoever. And today we have the honor and the pleasure and the privilege of having Father Colin Carr, OP, with us and answering questions. A very good morning to you, Father Colin. Good morning, uh, Tim. And I think the honor and the pleasure and the privilege is entirely mine <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> to be with you. Well, that's a lovely this, thing to say. Um, this rainy morning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it, it was rainy. I think it's going to brighten up. I think so, too. I think I think spring will, will find a way. Um, yes. And um, how are things where, where you are? Where exactly are you currently? I'm in Blackfriars. Uh, Blackfriars is in Buckingham Road, which is a cul-de-sac. We are the cul of the cul-de-sac. Um, um, just off the the Cambridge end of Huntingdon Road. It sort of begins uh, just near the the, the the hill. Cambridge is one and only hill, um, Castle Hill. Um, and then Histon Road and Victoria Road come in at one point, and, and Mount Pleasant comes in at another point. And at about that point, uh, Huntington Road starts heading off, presumably, towards Huntington. And uh, we are just off the beginning of that road near a surgery, which is very convenient for us, near Murray Edwards College, which used to be New Hall, um, and a little distance from Fitzwilliam College. So that that, that area, I can never Lovely. tell which is east, west, south, and north in oh. Cambridge. <laughs> when I lived in Newcastle-upon-Tyne, we, we, we knew where we were because we had the River Tyne running east and west through the city. Yeah. And, uh, my my excuse for, for losing sense of direction is that I'm from the southern hemisphere and the, the sun goes in the other direction down there. Um, right. <laughs> so I, I I keep on uh, losing track of of where I am, um, but I do yeah. like to know these things. So there you have it. Is the the friars who put the coal in cul de sac, and um, we have a very special relationship with the Dominicans because our 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 priest director here, Father Toby, is a Dominican, and the yeah. Dominicans, if you didn't know, are the office of the order of preachers rather. Um, yeah. So it's it's appropriate to have. A Dominican with us today to to answer questions and to to proclaim the faith um, on the spot and um, and that's why we are asking you to call in and ask questions. So I'm just going to give out the number again. It's um zero one two two three three seven five five six four. That's zero one two two three three seven five five six four. Father Colin, I wonder if you would begin with a prayer for us that we might just dedicate this time um, to the Lord. Yes, indeed. Um, let's start with a prayer which I love very much, and I go on about it um, probably too frequently. But so, a great a prayer of Saint Bede, um, which I think you can find in Durham Cathedral somewhere. Uh, and he's, he prays this, I implore you, good Jesus, that as in your mercy you have given me to drink in with delight the words of your knowledge, so of your loving kindness 
you will also grant me one day to come to you, the fountain of all wisdom, and to stand forever before your face. Amen. Amen. I, that I is a beautiful, prayer. beautiful prayer, yes. Um, all right, so let's get straight in. We do not have a caller just yet, but the lines are open. And um, I'm going to give out the number again because we do want to hear from you. It's 01223-375-564. That's 01223-375-564. Now, from uh, questions that have been sent in, I have the following question. And I'll admit it's actually my own. Um, and it's the one that I've been wanting to ask of a Dominican. And it regards a an idea of um, how grace builds upon nature. And um, this is an idea that I've, I sometimes have found quite difficult to understand. The first thing is I, I don't always know what it means. And um, does it mean that there's some kind of natural perfection that that we need before grace can build on nature. And I also know that Protestants find this quite a difficult, uh, uh, well, it's, it's, it's a doctrine that historically Protestants have disagreed with. So I wonder if, if, if you have some thoughts on this, Father Colin, and if we could start off with just what does it actually mean when um, we say that grace builds on nature? Yes, I don't know if Thomas Aquinas himself actually said that at really? any point. It may be an attempt to summarize something of what he says. I think what he he's saying that grace and nature are not two completely different spheres. They're all they're all under God. God is the God of nature. God is the God of grace. God is the God who is known to us, especially in Jesus Christ, but also known to us through uh, nature, um, I mean, the, the beauty of the world and so forth. Um, uh, but then again, nature is red and tooth in tooth and claw, and known to us through human nature in particular. And again, human nature is, very, is not always full of perfections, um, but grace is not as it were, something that pops up out of nowhere. I, I'm, I think that's the kind of thing he would want to say, is right. that uh, God builds on our humanity. Uh, for instance, if you're um, uh, if someone who uh, tends to be a bit impatient, I mean, it's come up with Dominic Raab just recently. Um, some people found him to be bullying because he was, he was probably quite pushy. Um, just, and, you know, the report has at least caused him now to resign, um, exonerated some of his, uh, some of the accusations, or exonerated him from some of the accusations, but uh, obviously some did stick. And uh, if, he, if you're a, a pushy kind of person, then either you become a bully and a nasty, uh, tyrannical person, I suppose a Hitler or um, a Putin maybe, if I may mention living people. <laughs> and, um, and well, I've just been mentioning Dominic Raab, and he's alive as far <laughs> as I know still. Um, and um, you could become a nasty person or you could become a terrific go-getter. People often confess to being angry. Well, 
it's something that, I mean, Jesus got angry too uh, with the sellers in the temple, and he got pretty cross with his disciples who seem to be so thick. Particularly if you read Mark's gospel, he, he gets quite ratty with them, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's because he's desperately trying to get the truth across to them, get them to understand who he is and how good God is. Um, So a a pushy person, I I would think that Mother Teresa was probably someone who was capable of anger. She wouldn't just stand by and be placid as she saw people dying in the streets, dying of malnutrition, dying of of lack of care. Mm -hmm. So she uh, rolled her socks. Uh, rolled her socks up. Rolled her sleeves. <laughs> Pulled her socks up. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting thought. Um, but we won't go into that. But um, she rolled her sleeves up and got on with it, uh, as it were. And she made a difference. Made a huge difference. Now God used her um, uh, her capacity for impatience, if you like, to make her someone who who got things done. There may be other people who are very placid and who bring peace and bring uh, harmony amongst people who are very patient, who don't try and push their own viewpoint. And God may use them to um, make the world a more peaceful place. But I think the fundamental theological thing is the incarnation. Jesus Christ became human and uh, he became one of us and human nature has been taken up by god uh, i think that's what grace builds on nature means that that god was able to take the humanity which was born of mary um, and make of that uh, a vehicle for his own presence the son is both equal to the Father and utterly obedient to the Father. The Son on earth is obedient to the Father. The Son in glory is an equal of the Father. And um, I think what I discovered when I became a, a Catholic, I was a very, very convinced evangelical, and I've banged on about this uh, on Radio Maria in the past as well. Um, some many evangelicals have been tremendous uh, workers for justice and for the relief of poverty in the world and, and that kind of thing. But I found that we didn't have, as it were, a theology to give, to justify um, working for justice in the world, working for peace, working, well, as we would now say, for the integrity of creation, for the ecosystem, and so on. We we did it because we knew it was a good thing, but we didn't sort of have a, a theology for it. Whereas Catholics, I think, do have a theology, which is that, that if you like, grace builds on nature, mm. that grace is linked with nature because the same God who made the world um, is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who lived in the world and died not just to save us from our sins, but he certainly did, but to save us from um, what you might call the spoiling of humanity. Um, mm. The Orthodox Christians are very, very good about, um, I mean to say capital O Orthodox, you know, Eastern Orthodox Christians are very good about talking about the um, restoration of the image. uh, And Christ was disfigured on the cross so that God's image in us might be reconfigured, might be 
um, not just patched up, but transformed and transfigured so that we, like Christ himself on the mountain, can be transfigured into the likeness of Christ. St. Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, if you wanted ever to look that up. Mm -hmm. um, we behold the glory of Christ and we are changed. So Christ takes our humanity, makes it his own, and um, and then uses our own human capacities. Um, uh, I mean, I'm my tendency, for instance, if I'm not being uh, Christ-like, is to be lazy. It was one of the things. It's definitely a, a, a fault of mine. I don't like work. <laughs> um, I mean, I love doing the things I love doing, but um, uh, and I, I work away quite hard at things like studying the Bible, but. Um, you know, there are bits of work like emptying the dishwasher and so on that I find it to be a bore. I try and make myself do it, but it doesn't um, really appeal to me. But that kind of that thing, which can, as a negative, can be laziness, could also be a, a gentleness, a calmness, a quietness um, when I'm at my best, um, trying to be a little bit of a peacemaker, for instance, between people and, and listening carefully to what people have to say. So that's an attempt at something of an answer, Tim. I don't know mm. whether you... No, I find that very helpful, actually, because if I, if I understand you correctly, you're saying that there are these, um, these natural tendencies within us, nature, um, and uh, just like with the Mother Teresa example um, yeah. of something of, of being a bit kind of prone to anger, that can either be an opportunity for grace to work and something good to come from it, or it can be something that can be corrupted. And, and um, yeah. but, but grace uh, works through these natural things and, and brings them to a, a supernatural order, I think. Yes. I think that's what I, what I understand by what you're saying. Yes, oh. very much so. Thank you very much. As you put that, uh, <laughs> much more neatly than I did. Uh, well, I, 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 was, it. <laughs> I was building on on what you had said. Um, <laughs> uh, so, we're going to go to a, a short music break, and um, this is a Hallelujah song from a contemporary band called Page CXVI. What's that? A hundred and sixteen uh, Roman numerals. We have some questions about communion and um, different ways of receiving it that we're going to get to directly after this music break. So stay tuned for that. Is Christ of his Christ and of his Christ of his Christ Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah,
Hallelujah's Ring. It's Easter time and um, we are listening to, you are listening to Questions of Faith on Radio Maria. We have a question that has been sent in to us as a voice note um, by Raj. So I'm going to to play that for us in a moment. Um, whoops. Just one moment. Stop the music. Okay. And it's regarding communion. Good morning, Father Colin. Good morning, Tim. This is Raj. My question is about Holy Communion. First time in my life, I have received Holy Communion from a minister from her left hand. And I was a bit uncomfortable with that. In my culture, giving or receiving from left hand is an insult. Does the church have any guidelines for that? Would you please explain that? Thank you. All right. So if you, I imagine you heard that, but just to repeat the question, Raj uh, received communion from an extraordinary Eucharistic minister and she um, gave it to him on the left, with the left hand. And um, I know that in other African cultures as well, it's, it's very rude to give with the left hand. So it's interesting that that's a, a, um, a custom that kind of, carries over to to different cultures um and raj said that he he is now worried is this um is this does this custom also apply to liturgy as a liturgical norm so lots of things that we can go into here and i i'm going to let you you start to have a stab at it father colin yes thanks um I should declare an interest here. I am left-handed, <laughs> and, uh, um, and in fact, I had a birthmark on my left hand, so I could tell which was my left hand oh, wow. because I was a left-hand presentation. I think when I was actually being born, um, so you know, I have a very much a leading left hand. I remember a neurologist. Um, academic neurologist looking at something I was doing. It wasn't writing, but something else I was doing. He said, oh, you're definitely uh, right hemisphere positive, right hemisphere dominant, I think was the term he used. In other words, uh, the right side of my brain um, makes my left hand my main hand. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Yes, it's perfectly true that traditionally, in, even also I think in European cultures, the right hand has been seen as the, as the, the right hand, the proper hand, um, uh, seated at God's right hand and so on. That's, that's not European, that's, that's Hebrew uh, culture. Um, and God's, God's right hand is um, sort of means the good hand. Um, but that's, I mean, that's a human way of talking. Mm. Um, now, if I'm if giving communion out myself, um, uh, I know that in our culture now, we don't sort of um, privilege the right hand or the left hand. Uh, people um, play cricket or whatever it is with, uh, uh, with the appropriate hand. I mean, I used to... Um, I wasn't a great cricketer, but I used to bat with I bat right, batted right-handed, and I bowled left-handed. Interesting. And I dropped catches with both my hands. Um, <laughs> but um, for me, it's rather important to honour the left hand in our culture. Uh, I'm speaking as an an English person in English culture. Um, 
so actually when we're um when i'm concelebrating at communion for instance um when we're consecrating when the the president of the communion is, is um consecrating and we're all consecrating with him i hold out my left hand uh, for one of the consecrations and my right hand for the other to show that it's both hands god in the bible on the whole just has one hand i don't, I don't mean that's a handicap i mean it's just that god only needs one hand the powerful hand of god but it is thought of as his right hand mm -hmm. um if used at all and the left hand is used for more, more humble type of activities which we needn't go into but um th for me it's important that left-handedness is not seen as as an abnormality but a, a normality a good thing uh, equally good thing to have um however i mean i think the church lives in every culture and i i can see what raj uh feels about that because it's, it's built deeply into the culture yes, yes. that giving with the left hand is is not a good thing so i i as far as i know when i give out communion i give with the right, right hand yeah. it's not really a conscious thing actually but I, i'm just trying to think how do i give communion i do in fact give it with the right hand um and Roger's question has made me realize that because we are, in fact, we're not just a, an English culture where we are now. We're, we're a mixture of cultures. and People come from all sorts of different uh, backgrounds. I could tell at one point uh, when someone was coming up to communion that she came from Zimbabwe because she, as it were, quietly clapped her hands before receiving, oh, wow. which is a sign of respect. Um, and I asked her afterwards, I, 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 can I guess you come from Zimbabwe? And yes, she did indeed. Mm. Um, and th that's very beautiful. But uh, in terms of receiving, probably people would receive on the, um, uh, on the, uh, well, would would expect to be given communion by the right hand. But, on the other hand, I mean, I think we should get used to the idea that that is not uh, now a cultural no-no in in Britain, say, yeah. and in probably most parts of Europe, and um, we don't necessarily have to stick with a a human uh, a human command, what Jesus would have called just a just a, a commandment made by human beings rather than part of the law of God. Um, the, the the rubrics in the Catholic Church often say the priest does this or that with it, their right hand. Um, because um, it is assumed that that is the the dominant hand. But now that our culture says, well, it isn't the dominant hand, uh, what do we do? <laughs> we, yeah. um, we, I, I think we, sh we should work towards um, a recognition that it doesn't matter which handed you are, that left hand and right hand are equally valid. But at the same time, because some people are in a position still where they think it's not polite to give with the left hand that we should we should give out communion with the uh, with the right hand and i would certainly incline to do that myself obviously if someone um, becomes disabled in one hand and can only give out with the left hand it's not uh, a bar to their giving out communion i don't think yeah. at all as far as receiving is concerned, that isn't Raj's question. Yes, but we'll get on to that in a, in a moment. Yeah, yeah. So a, we can talk about that in a, in a moment. Um, I had a, but I was, yes, if I might um, weigh in a little bit. Um, 
I think that uh, it's this almost comes back to what we were talking about with grace and nature, mm-hmm. and that you have a human custom that then gets um, assumed into a liturgical setting. Yes. And what what is communicated in, in a human context then um, becomes symbolic of something spiritual. And yes. But this changes from, from one place to another. It's not a fixed thing. So um, I think it would be dangerous for us to say that you know, uh, receiving communion in one way or, or, uh, administrating communion with the right hand, for example, is, is a thing that is kind of speaks to a eternal truth, uh, yeah. that, that transcends, um, all cultural norms. It's, it's not the case. It's, it's rather that, um, there is a, what transcends all cultural norms is reverence for the blessed sacrament and then that might find expression um, in different ways, depending on the culture um, yep. or the situation. So uh, I think that there's there's opportunity on both ends here, both the person who's receiving and the person who's administrating to also need to be sensitive to, to different situations. So um, I think it's great that that Raj has asked this question because he's not asking it in a in a uh, kind of although it's difficult for him. I think he 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 understands that maybe he's he's reading too much into it and um, and he's uh, has the maturity to to say that. Um, but I yeah. think also there needs to be understanding from from Eucharistic ministers that for some people these things can be a barrier and and yeah. to. Yeah. To do them in a different way is 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 helpful to the yeah. recipient. Yeah. Can I just comment to me it, uh, the the biblical equivalent of of this sort of argument is the question that's in one Corinthians about meat offered to idols. Um, Paul says, well, as far as I'm concerned, uh, idols are nothing. So if if I if I buy meat in the market that has been offered to idols, it means nothing to me. But there are some people who who do believe uh, that there's a power in idols and uh, that meat that's been offered to idols has been contaminated, and yeah. they wouldn't touch it. And and I'm not. And Paul says I'm not going to uh, sort of destroy their faith and 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 be rude to them by saying, oh, it doesn't matter to me. It doesn't doesn't matter, but to them it does matter, and so I'm going to go with their um, uh, with with their position and not as it were. Well, you sort of temper the wind to the shorn lamb, as it were. Yes. Um, uh, it's that lovely old English expression. Um, and um, so you don't force people to be enlightened as you are. Stop yeah. stopping so you know dim and ancient. Um, and Paul said, no, no, don't, don't be like that. Be be gentle and and kind to each other. So, a I mean again, so often Catholic truth is two almost paradoxical things. One, it, it left and right hand difference doesn't matter, but because they do in fact culturally matter to some people, then we are sensitive to that and behave accordingly. I mean, another example of this is kneeling. Um, you'll find that in in certain liturgical cultures uh, liturgical uh, rites kneeling is is a sign of reverence and so we kneel at certain points in the mass but in in yeah. other liturgical rites kneeling is is a sign of penitence and so um 
it would they actually discourage kneeling during the mass because um, the mass is supposed to be a celebration, and yes. and so you have two the same gestures with two meanings um, in different yeah. contexts. And I think what's what's important is is to be able to adjust to those different contexts and realize that um, the deeper truths can be embodied in different ways. Yeah. Uh, we we have a few other questions on communion, but I'm going to go to another music break now, and uh, before we come back to those, and just a reminder that the the phone lines are open, so if anybody would like to call and and um, contribute to this discussion, and here is um, "Sweet Prospect" by the Hillbilly Thomists. <laughs> Stormy banks I stand and cast a wishful eye to Canaan's fair and happy land where my possessions lie. Oh, the transporting rapturous scene that rises to my sight Sweet fields arrayed in living green And rivers of delight O'er all those wide extended plains Shines one eternal the hillbilly termist singing sweet prospect this is questions of faith 
and we've been talking about Holy Communion and um, whether it's all right to uh, administer it on the left uh, with the left hand. And another question inevitably came up uh, when we were discussing this on um, the thread, the Radio Maria Volunteers thread, which I'm going to read in a moment. And uh, just a reminder that if you'd like to call in and ask a question, the number is 01223-375-564. That's 01223-375-564. So here it is. Good morning. Staying on the topic of Holy Communion, although the church allows it, especially during COVID times, will it be better to receive Holy Communion on the hands or on the tongue in order to be more reverent? And that was from Maria Rosaria. Sorry for that. That's Maria Rosaria. I'm going to let you go for that, Father Colin. Yes, I think the principle is reverence. Um, And I think a lot of people, I think the implication often is that it's more reverent to receive on the tongue than on the hand. Because I suppose, I don't know quite, but I suppose it's because the person receiving is doing more when they receive on the hand and sort of is is taking more initiative when they receive on the hand because they then... put communion into their own mouth, whereas it receiving on the tongue, they're like a baby bird being fed by a mother bird. They, keep, they just open their mouths and mother puts the food into their mouth. Um, and obviously it was traditionally uh, considered not really safe for uh, lay people to touch the Blessed Sacrament. but. In fact, it is all right to touch the Blessed Sacrament um, and to receive on the hand. For priests, I think many, many priests would say it's actually easier to give communion on the hand. If people are receiving on the tongue, it would be nice if they would open their mouth and put their tongue out. <laughs> this does not always happen. And it's you're sometimes trying to slip the a host uh, uh, in you know into a rather small space uh, left by the person's not very wide open mouth um, so in fact it's sometimes more reverent to receive on the hand than the tongue but i think many people think somehow it's more reverent to receive on the tongue because you're not handling the blessed sacrament but it is all right to handle the blessed sacrament if you think well hands do very bad things would you please tell me what good things tongues do? Because tongues can do a lot of very evil things mm. too. Um, uh, and Jay, the epistle to James, the letter to James, the letter of James, the letter of James um, speaks about the tongue being capable of doing absolutely terrible, terrible things. So um, that's not an argument uh, either for or against uh, receiving on the hand or receiving on the tongue. Um, but as long as it's done with reverence and um, there is a particular way that is recommended for receiving on the hand, uh, and that's very nice and reverent when done. But 
one assumes the goodwill of um, all people receiving communion, that they want to be reverent, and that for some, receiving on the hand is more reverent than receiving on the tongue, um, and for others, vice versa, it's more reverent to receive on the tongue. Uh, we should recognize the reverence um, rather than the particular stance. Obviously, in, um, in the old rite, the, um, uh, the the former rite, um, it, communion was only received on the tongue. And of course, it wasn't, uh, the chalice wasn't received either. That's another issue which we could, may come to. But the um, receiving on the hand now is allowed. Um, and it, to me, it can be done very reverently. Uh, it is, as I say, slightly easier for a priest Perhaps to give into the to give into the hand rather than on the tongue, uh, partly because of, of health reasons and, and so on. We, we, there's no danger of contact with saliva and so forth. Um, there came a time during COVID when uh, people could receive on the tongue uh, in the old rite, and in between each giving of communion, the priest needed to purify their hand every single time they gave communion. And so if there was a great queue of people for communion, that would that took rather a long time. But but that's, uh, um, again, that's not an argument one way or the other. It yeah. is simply something that happened. The logistics of it was difficult. But I think we should honor each other um, and those who receive on the tongue, absolutely great. Those free yeah. to receive yeah. on the tongue, those who receive on the hand, absolutely fine as long as it's all done reverently yeah i think that last comment is is very poignant as, as long as it's done reverently and um and i think some people are are in pushing one way or another uh, that kind of gets uh, lost in the, in the discussion and yes. it's wonderful to read the church fathers and to find these descriptions of um of coming to to receive communion on the hand and and how it's yes. described as as a um a very reverent way of receiving um so that's that's helpful i sometimes think about that first and this is coming from someone who who normally receives on the tongue so i'm i'm that's sort of my preferred way but i often think about how jesus says to the disciples um after he's risen uh touch me handle yeah. me you know see see that um a spirit does not have uh, flesh and and bones like I do, and yeah. and I think that sometimes uh, we need to take take him at his word on these on these things. Yeah. So um, yeah. I think that is is really thank you for for covering that. Um, yes, there was. Yeah, a, thank you, Tim. I think I, I love your your sort of little summaries. Of what uh, I, said. <laughs> I think they're much better than mine. <laughs> mine. I think you should be. I should be the first taking the questions, and you should be the person answering. <laughs> uh, moving on swiftly, um, I don't think that's true. Let's. Uh, we wanted to talk about uh, receiving the the chalice during um, during. So this is something that was uh, I had heard was brought back on Monday Thursday, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. And I think a few people have been a bit disappointed that it seems very slow in in coming back. Um, and I think most people haven't haven't received the chalice again since COVID. Um, yeah. And yeah, what are your thoughts on on receiving from the chalice? 
Father Connor? Well, I, th- I think in, in general it's very important that people should, um, Jesus said, take this all of you and drink from it, as well as saying take this all of you and eat of it. Um, so that receiving from the chalice is a very uh, beautiful way of, of the fullness of reception. Obviously the church has always taught um, partly perhaps to explain why for a long, long time people only ever received um, the host and didn't the, the laity didn't receive from the chalice. But the church explained that you receive the whole Christ mm-hmm. uh, from uh, the host or from the chalice. But the symbol of receiving from uh, the, the receiving the host and the chalice, I think, is is very important. It's uh, Jesus said. I mean, the re- reports of the Last Supper are that he said, "Take and eat, and take and drink." Um, so the normal way of receiving communion should be um, receiving both the precious blood and the the host. Um, although it's adequate to receive either. Uh, obviously during COVID, and previously during, oh, one of the bird flus or some sort of flu that was going on, um, uh, people were told they could, they could only receive um, the host and they had to receive on the hand as well, mm. uh, which was very difficult for some people. Um, but the, um, uh, the, the fact is, although it takes quite a bit of work, we, we'll have to sort of get back. I think, I think that the fact, as you mentioned, Tim, that, that uh, people, some people are a bit disappointed that nothing very much has been done about about getting back to the chalice. It has been allowed since Maundy Thursday. Um, I think the bishops in England and Wales have said, um, well, we'll wait till Corpus Christi and beforehand we'll kind of catechize people, remind people of how to receive communion, mm-hmm. including, I think, some of the things I said about, please, if you're receiving on the tongue, open your mouth and put your tongue out <laughs> uh, and, and so on. Uh, so we can find that you can say you can receive on the tongue. It doesn't have to be posted through a letterbox kind of thing. Um, and so the, uh, the, the chalice is, is going to be made available. Um, it's much more hard work, of course, having the chalice as well. But then, you know, <laughs> if hard work is a reason for not doing something, then <laughs> it's quite a, as I said, I'm, I'm a lazy so-and-so, but I, I you know, um, nonetheless, I think it's worth the hard work of um, having other ministers uh, to, to help with the chalice and so on. I mean, where we are, we're several priests con celebrating at the same time. So it's probably be priests mainly giving both the chalice and the host. But in many uh, parishes with just one priest, um, then obviously ministers of the Eucharist would be helping uh, both with the host and with the chalice. Um, so it's a good thing that it should come, and I think it is a. It would be a good thing if the church got a, just a little bit more. I mean, if the individual churches got a little bit more active in preparing people for that, reminding people how we're going to do it, and um, you know, practicing actually. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. Um, I have a follow-up question on that, but we'll come back to it after this song. Um, this is a, a alleluia. Uh, it's Alleluia Ora Pro Nobis by Thomas Tallis. Alleluia. 
This is Questions of Faith on Radio Maria, and we've been talking about the Eucharist and asking questions of Father Colin Carr, and we have a caller on the line. It's Augusta. Hello, Augusta. Yes, hello. Can you hear Father Colin? Hello, Father Colin. No, I can hear uh, you, dear. I can hear just you, Just a moment, just course. a moment. Yes, I can hear Augusta now. Okay. Oh, thank you very much, Father. Well, Father Collins, am I speaking to you, Father Collins? Yeah. Hello. Hello. Am I speaking to you, Father Collins? Yeah, yes, you're speaking to me. Yes, I would like to say that I find it much easier to stick out my tongue and the host is put on my tongue and there's no question of my hand missing my mouth or not getting the host from Father on my hand. And I think it's much more direct to get it on my tongue, stuck out, and my yeah. head back. And there's no, there's no danger of the host falling or not being swallowed properly by me. Right. Okay, Augusta, thank that you. Much easier. Yeah. And yeah. I find a much more and um, much safer I think... than putting my hand up. Right. Because yeah. I'm looking up at Father. I'm not looking at my hand. I'm looking up at Father. Yeah. Taking the whole start of the challenge. So you would prefer not to receive on the hand, you're saying, Augusta? Yes, I would. Okay, Is fine. this Father I'm talking to? I would. Yes, yes, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine, Augusta. I mean, that, that's that's uh, uh, a way in which you are being... the Holy Communion, though. Well, what about the, the our, Lord's, our Lord's blood? How do I drink that out of the chalice? Well, um... Have you received from the chalice in the past? No, no. yes, I have. Yes, oh, well, that, a while I mean, ago. We just take a, a, a little sip um, and uh, then hand the chalice back to the person who handed it to us. Um, in in the Ang in the Church of England, people, the person holding the chalice and handing it to the communicants, keeps a hold of it, and and then they take it and and, and they. Person. But what does the Catholic Church do? I'm just we, interested in what the Catholic we, Church does. Yeah, we, well, we hand, it to, we hand it to people. Yes, uh, I, think to them, I think they hand it to me. I'd yeah. like to take a drink and I hand yeah, it Yeah, just take a little, a little sip, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, uh, there are sometimes problem people who don't take just a little sip, but take quite a gulp. But that is, I mean, that, that's a, a sort of a fault that we need to correct. And um, oh, yeah. the fact that there are dangers doesn't mean that we don't do it. The host. Yeah. It also helps to wash down the horse down yes. the throat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Augusta, beautiful. thank you. Augusta, thank you so much for that contribution. Thank you very much. Bless you. All right. Lovely. Thank you. Okay, God bless. Thank you very much. We have another caller on the line. Um, this is Mo. Hello, Mo. Hello, hello. I, this uh, is just a, a, something that I realized recently, um, and that is about the state of your left hand during, when you receive communion. Right. Because I chopped the top of my thumb off um, 
doing preparing oh, preparing food. And I had a tiny, it's not a big dressing, but a tiny dressing on my thumb. And suddenly I thought, oh, I can't do this. Presumably, I mean, I don't know if there's any guidance, but there must be. Um, and so I, I received communion in the mouth. But I just wondered if there's any guidance on that particular topic. We, we have spoken well, quite a bit about this. Yes. There, yeah. um, Father Colin? Yes, I mean, the, usually, the, especially those who haven't just lopped half their thumb off, um, uh, one receives, I think, the, oh dear, I can never get this right. I think you, you put your right hand under your left hand, you receive communion onto your left hand, take it off your left hand with your right hand and put it into your mouth. Yeah. Um if if you've got if you're heavily bandaged in one one hand or even if it, uh, you said it wasn't actually a very big bandage, no, it's a tiny um, bandage. But, uh, but it, um, if it's awkward to receive, uh, one could um, simply put it directly into one's mouth by um, w w with the hand that you've received it in. But that's um, not the normal way we do it. It's best possible uh, to take um to take with it's best to take it with the hand that's most agile or uh -huh. to use a, a term de dexterous which means right-handed <laughs> um and um uh, take it take it with a hand that's more the more agile because even if you've got a, a plaster on your thumb you could receive on the palm of your your well, that's damaged what I wondered. Hand. that's exactly what i wondered whether i could just receive it on the palm or it would put you know make it different so i yeah so i decided to go yeah. to receive in orally but but so you could you could actually do that yes if, if i mean the normal thing is to receive it receive it on the palm then take it up with between your Fine. thumb and forefinger with your Fine. other hand and put it into your mouth safely yeah. so that would be okay lovely thank you very yeah. much father lovely okay <laughs> Thank Bye. you so much, Murray. Thanks. Uh, we've just about come to the end of the program. I had one question, if we could just take it very, very briefly, and that is, um, for those who are longing to receive the chalice again and haven't seen any movement, what's a way in which they can encourage their priest or their bishop um, to move along so that we can we can come back to that as a norm um, without being defiant or... Um, or yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, a um, point or two. To, to use non-parliamentary language. Um, <laughs> Yeah, well, I think one just politely does ask. I mean, I think I think it's good. Don't be shy. Um, put your question um, uh, nicely uh, and so on, uh, and um, indicate perhaps that you are you've heard that we are going to be receiving and. Uh, uh, rather than saying, could someone just hurry up and tell us what's happening? If, if you just politely ask, we'd be really grateful if we could know when uh, it's going to be possible and whether there'll be some preparation for this, something like that. Right. Um, but do take the initiative and, and, and ask the question, I'd say. Don't be shy about asking it. That's very helpful. Thank you. Um, would you end with a prayer for us, Father Colin? It's been lovely having you, by the way. I, I, I'm just trying to rush for the, because we're coming to yeah. the top of the hour now. But um, yeah, if, if you oh, would I love mind. that phrase, top of the hour. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, 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 um, great. Well, let's use a blessing, the blessing which I often use. I did last night. Um, 
from the book of Numbers, Aaron is to bless the people of Israel yes. in this way. And we, we take it uh, into our own liturgy too. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.